Fishing for a show aimed at the outdoor enthusiast? Tune in to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, Saturday at 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. Eastern on Rural Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 147, and on the Sirius XM app. Welcome in to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, brought to you by Bass Pro Shops. If you love fishing, hunting, and the great outdoors and want to make it even better, you're in the right place with host Rob Keck. Your adventure starts right here. Good morning and welcome, and thanks for tuning in to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, brought to you by Bass Pro Shops, where truly your adventure starts right here. I'm Rob Keck, your host, and I hope you are social distancing somewhere in the great outdoors and of course having fun and making memories with family and friends it is family time summertime just arrived and it's time for you to pack up the family and go to bass pro shops cabela's to find everything that you're going to need to engage explore and enjoy the great outdoors our professional store outfitters are there ready to assist you in covering all the many gear options that you need for your outdoor plans and they can help instruct you on the gear that you need for the basics of camping fishing archery boating shooting and so much more well bass pro shops cabela store outfitters are there to assist you with the equipment the clothing the footwear that you're going to need as well as how to best use it for the most enjoyable family summer outing so again that means before you head out you've got to stop on by bass pro shops cabela's you're going to find the latest gear at the very best prices on everything you'll need for family summertime fun and of course you can always check us out online at BassPro.com or cabela's.com well, on today's show we're talking fly fishing waterfowl the first day of sale the federal duck stamp and we'll talk with the winning artist of the 87th Migratory, the Federal Migratory Bird Hunting and Conservation Stamp that went on sale yesterday. We'll meet the host of Fly Rod Chronicles Television, Curtis Fleming. Additionally, we're going to take a look at the Federal Duck Stamp Program, what it's meant to waterfowl conservation. Our guests during those segments will be the director of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, Aurelia Skipwith, along with Jerome Ford, the assistant director of Migratory Bird Programs for the Service. And rounding out the show will be the winning artist of the 2021 Federal Duck Stamp Design, Eddie Leroy. The 87th Federal Migratory Bird Hunting and Conservation Stamp, popularly known as the Duck Stamp, officially went on sale June 26th. And, you know, this highly anticipated stamp is eagerly sought after by waterfowl hunters, outdoor enthusiasts, collectors, birders. And typically, the first day of sale event, that ceremony is hosted by the Fish and Wildlife Service at Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World's locations. But due to the COVID-19 crisis, the ceremony has been postponed for a date yet to be announced. Well, to get us started, our first guest is the pride of West Virginia, Hall of Famer, my good friend Curtis Fleming, the host of the award-winning Fly Rod Chronicles television seen on the Pursuit Channel. Curtis has traveled the world fly fishing and has a wealth of knowledge and some fun experiences he's going to share with us. So without further delay, here's the pride of West Virginia, who just returned from a fishing well, in some secret trout waters, he wouldn't tell me, my good friend, Curtis Fleming. Curtis, welcome back. Thanks for having me, Rob. I appreciate it. Look, I've got to ask you, how the heck are you and your family, how are you doing during this COVID-19 pandemic? Well, you know, uh, you know, before I got into this, I was a teacher and my wife's a principal, so uh, we're, we're all following rules. And uh, our, our, our travel kind of come to a stop and, uh, you know, we're, we're practicing social distance, but uh, but we're fishing close by right here in our home state of West Virginia. Yeah, you know, there's been a lot of people doing that very thing, doing their outdoor activities close at home. And it's been sort of a revival, a reawakening for many people uh, to the outdoor options that are there when, you know. You're an award-winning television producer and a host, and I've got to ask you, what's it like to make TV shows over the last few months with, you know, all the restrictions on travel? You know, this this is the first time in 18 seasons that I've been home for such a long period of time, and if anything, it, it's it's made me appreciate how spoiled 
we've become. And, you know, Rob, you being a hunter and, and traveling for turkey season and, and getting to see all these places, it's, it, it's really woken me up to, to, to appreciate that traveling that we get to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, last year, just about a year ago, you were on the show with us and uh, you talked about uh, fishing uh, up in western Pennsylvania and, uh, you know, the 17-year brood hatch of cicadas were coming out and looking at that in the rearview mirror, what patterns and hatches are you chasing right there now in West Virginia, right around home? What's hatching? What do you use? Yes. Yeah, so right now, um, this this is a time to be in West Virginia. You can you can set your calendars by the end of May, first of June. We get what we call the sulfur hatch, and I know you guys used to get them up in Pennsylvania where you, you grew bet. up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so we're getting like the the green drakes, and for the first time, um, I, I got to see some yellow drakes and uh, the coffin flies, and you know for people that really are in the entomology and really want to see bugs. Um, you know, it's, it's a perfect for the lazy man that likes to fish because you can sleep in and, and, you know, eat all during the day. But at that last hour and a half before dark, it just yep. gets epic. Yeah. And, and, we, and no, yeah, go ahead. No, I'm just, I'm just going to move on to just another thought you know last year when you were uh, up there on that pennsylvania trip on that cicada hatch you also took the igfa trout slam and we've had listeners ask you know what is the trout slam and so i'm going to ask you share it with our listeners what makes up this slam here in the last minute before we take our next break yeah absolutely so we work with the international game fish association and and they do some cool things and it's not just with trout but but with trout, you can get what they call the trout grand slam. And that would be three of the trout species that you catch all in one day. Um, and then you can get what they call the uh, the, the super uh, slam. And then that's four of, of the species in one day. Or the next step up would be the fantasy slam which which is five so you know as you know up in pennsylvania and in west virginia you got the rainbow the brown the brook uh you know the, the, the golden um the tiger so uh so it's, it it kind of makes it fun and, it, and well, it you know we're competitive people and yeah. uh, it, it just makes makes things fun there you go. Well, folks, there you go. There's the slams and trout. It takes us to our next break. We return, going to continue talking with the host of Fly Rod Chronicles Television, Curtis Fleming. This and a whole lot more coming right up. And I'm Rob Keck, your host here on Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. Embrace the rustic elegance of a bygone era at Big Cedar Lodge. Located 10 miles south of Branson, Missouri, Big Cedar Lodge is a masterpiece that brings together natural beauty and contemporary luxury. Visitors are invited to explore and experience some of the most popular amenities here. At Big Cedar Lodge, you'll find casual dining options in an unparalleled atmosphere, with signature dishes and local favorites highlighting classic menu items. Take in spectacular views at Devil's Pool, live entertainment at the Buzzard Bar, or relax at Truman Coffee and Cafe, all surrounded by the natural ambiance of the Ozark Mountains. One of the newest additions to the property is Cedar Creek Spa. This 18,000-square-foot world-class spa is a private oasis with soothing pools, fireplaces, and a full-service salon. In addition to the complete spa experience, there are private suites available. All of these features make Big Cedar an ideal destination for weddings, corporate gatherings, and more. Families have been visiting Big Cedar Lodge for generations, looking to experience what many call a little piece of heaven on earth. To learn more, visit BigCedar.com or call 1-800-BC-LODGE. And welcome back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. And let me tell you, if you like fly fishing or you want to learn about fly fishing or if If you're looking for a new place to go fly fishing, you're tuned in to the right place on today's show with Hall of Famer and the host of Fly Rod Chronicles Television, Curtis Fleming. 
Well, let me take a moment, give you some further insight into our guest, his awards, his accomplishments. And I'll tell you what, they could fill a New York City phone book, but allow me to fill you in on just a few. You know, Curtis was most recently enshrined into the 2020 Legends of the Outdoors National Hall of Fame in Nashville, Tennessee. He was inducted into the 2019 class of the Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame. Curtis was recognized as the 2018 Outdoor Sportsman of the Year, the 2018 inductee into the Fly Fishing Museum of Southern Appalachians Hall of Fame, Legends of Fly Fishing at Fairmont State University and Bridgeport High School's Hall of Fame. He has seven IGFA world records, including the world record brown trout on two-pound weight class on a fly rod. He's multiple IGFA off onshore and offshore Grand Slams. He's been the recipient of so many television awards, it's just hard to name them all. He's a pro staffer, an ambassador for Yeti, Under Armour, Watermaster, been an expert fly fishing ambassador for Cabela's and Bass Pro Shops. And to me, he's a compassionate and a caring man and puts his love of God first, followed by his love of family and country. Well, Curtis, we've seen a dramatic uptick in the number of people fishing during this time of covid uh, fishing license sales been up over 60% or more in some states. Families are fishing together, sharing the fun on the water away from digital screens. And, you know, that's a good thing. And you have fly fished the world over. Last year, you traveled to the Seychelles Islands where you fished with your daughter. Why don't you share with our listeners what it's like to fish with your children? You know, Rob, whenever you can share it with family and people that you love, there's no better feeling. And, um, you know, my daughters, they they got that bug and they just love to fish. And, you know, you and I have become really good friends. And I, I think I think we quit texting our personal catches. And, you, you know, you and I, we, we text photos of when your grandchildren catch a fish or my girls <laughs> catch a fish. It just means so much more. Don't you agree? Uh, absolutely absolutely i mean i'm 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 doing that very thing i mean it's about them and especially at this point in my life and my career you know they're far more important to me than anything that i catch or anything that i take uh and it's the memories that we're creating that uh, is most important well you know for someone for someone that's never fly fished what would you recommend in helping him get started? We've got some listeners I know that're saying, you know, I've I've heard about it, uh, I've seen people doing it, but how should I get started? What would you say? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the first thing I'd say is is don't go out and spend a lot of money. You know, you can get starter kits right at your Bass Pro Shops and your Cabela's. And um, they're always offering clinics and and workshops. Um, it, you know, it's like golf. Don't don't go to the masters and start out. Take a lesson. And, you know, like I tell everyone, you know, don't take a lesson from your husband. Don't take a lesson from your wife. Take a, you know, hire a guide. Take someone that's going to teach you and take the time to 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 show you the basics. Yep. Well, look. One of the things that I just found out about you, I mean, you have taken so many different species of fish, and we're going to talk about that in just a minute, but you've been chasing muskies on a fly rod, and I, I got to say, are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, it's been said, you know, muskies are a fish of 10,000 casts, and I don't know that I've even seen a picture of anybody fly fishing for muskies. Well, you've done it. Tell us, you know, where did you do it? How long did it take? How many casts did it take to land that first one? You, you know, that was my nemesis. That that was the fish that escaped me. And, you know, we filmed it for um, over a three-year period. And during that time, Rob, there was a 12-year-old kid that we took, a godson that caught one. There was a 71-year-old man that caught one. And what for me personally, um, when the when the COVID nineteen hit, that's what I did. I I went out for twelve straight days, and like you said, they say it's a cast of ten thousand casts 
you know, the fish of 10,000 casts. My camera guy went back and started counting. And he, and on the 12th day, I, I caught that muskie on my 9,880th cast. Get out of here. So, so I'm an overachiever, as you can tell. Yeah. And, uh, and you know what's crazy is I, I threw 49 more times after that, and I caught my second muskie. You got to be kidding. No, oh, wow. No. What, a, just, what, that, what, what a thrill. Go, yeah, go ahead. No, I'm just going to say what a thrill it must have been then to take number two with 49 casts later. Oh, oh the, the pressure was off. It, but it, it was that one fish that just drove me nuts. Yeah. Well, you know, as I mentioned just a minute ago, I know you've taken many, many species of fish on a fly. So I'm going to ask you, how many species have you caught on a fly? Well, that, yeah, that that made one ninety six. Um, yeah, you know, this this the COVID nineteen. I think it's it's hurt me in a way of a little bit of boredom. So we actually had time to go back and count all the species. <laughs> so yeah, I'm at, yeah. I'm at one ninety six, trying to break two hundred. Isn't that amazing? Well, of course, you didn't do all that in West Virginia. Your travels have taken you literally around the world. Well, you know. Growing up in West Virginia, did you ever think for a minute in those early days that, you know, you'd be traveling the world fly fishing and doing it on TV? You know, Rob, I, I watched you back in the day on TV and, and, you know, everybody thinks you're living the dream and you are because, you know, you and I, we, we grew up in a in, in a humble, you know, humble uh environment you know a humble upbringing and you know my dad was a coal miner and and you know we grew up and didn't have a lot and uh and I was a school teacher and uh and I always had a dream of, of having an outdoor show and uh and even when it took off I thought oh maybe I'll get to fish for a year or maybe get to see a couple places but 18 seasons later and getting to see the different countries and the places I I, I still pinch myself and I'm, I'm just like a big kid and I, I don't take it for granted. You know, God's put this in my lap and, and I just, I just love sharing, you know, sharing my, the, the places that I, I get to travel, you know, with our viewers and, yeah. and absolutely love it. Well, God bless you, my friend. That's going to take us to our next break. Folks, we return, going to continue our visit with Curtis and you're listening to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. And this is Rob Keck and we will be right back. Years ago, sportsmen led the first revolt to save what was left of North America's dwindling wildlife resources, and it took purpose and commitment. This crusade began with Theodore Roosevelt forming the Boone and Crockett Club in 1887. Since then, sportsmen and women have been at the forefront of every environmental revolution in this country, providing the vision, funding, and manpower to establish and run what has become the most successful system of wildlife management in the history of mankind. Yet to this day, our story remains relatively unknown, especially to those who don't hunt or fish. We must tell this story, but we need to do more than that. We must insist that others who claim to be conservationists but work tirelessly on campaigns to end all hunting honestly examine the evidence and then ask themselves where would the wildlife they cherish be without sportsmen's dollars and without sportsmen's efforts. Conservation had a beginning, but it has no end. To learn more, visit booneandcrocketclub.com. Welcome back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. And if you've just tuned in, our guest today is Hall of Fame fly fisherman and the host of the award-winning Fly Rod Chronicles television seen on the Pursuit Channel, my good friend, Curtis Fleming. Curtis, you've filmed over 230 shows. What's left on the bucket list? You know, Rob, I've never really had a bucket list, but it's like, you know, the longer this goes, the older I get, it's like, okay, what have I not done? Um, and, you know, this past year, we went down to Argentina and Patagonia, and I, I fell in love with that area. Um, you know, with the COVID-19, we had some trips to get canceled that was really painful that I was going to get to see, and that was uh, Iceland and Russia. Yeah. So, so those are two that I, I, you know, that, that are, are definitely on that list. Well, I can tell you, you will capture 
the beauty and the essence. You know, you're talking about Argentina and Patagonia. You know, I can remember Joe Brooks on American ABC's American Sportsman fishing down there, mm-hmm. uh, along with Joe Foss and Kurt Gowdy. And, and, you know, it was magical looking at that. And to think that you've now had the chance to go there and then to share it on television. You know, some people uh, that maybe grew up fishing in a farm pond or in a creek, they've really never had a chance to fly fish. It's maybe always been with bait and nothing wrong with that. But with all the different types of fishing out there, I want to ask you, what drew you to fly fishing? Or did you start out that way? No, no. I, I You know, I started out just just what you described, you know, uh, worm hooking a bar- bobber, you know, yeah. started out bass fishing, started out, you know, uh, fishing for, for stock trout. And, and, um, and then it was, you know, the saying that, you know, the tug is a drug. And <laughs> I, I mean, and, 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 and I still, you know, when I feel that tug, I, I turn into that little kid, but, you know, there's just something about seeing a, a, a fly, a dry fly floating on the top of the water and a fish just coming up and just just coming up and eating it. And yeah. and, and I, I mean, I just it, it, I mean, look, listen to me stutter. I get I get that excited just talking about. It. Yeah. Well, you know, I've got three grandsons that are all tying flies. Nice. They wanted fly tying kits for Christmas. And it has been fun to watch them tie these creations, even more fun to watch them catch a fish on them. But, you know, they still love the bobber going down under and that tug that a bluegill can give. In fact, they were here two weeks ago. They're going to be back this week. And we caught 73 sunfish, bluegills, brim, whatever you want to call them. And, uh, some of them, I mean, they weren't but a couple inches long, and there were some of them, I mean, they were big old bull brim. And, uh, you know, it didn't matter how big the fish was to those kids. Right. The excitement, every time that bobber went under and they set that hook, that tug, I can tell you, uh, it was a thrill that it brought me back to my childhood. And I think that, you know, so many times we've we maybe miss that thrill when we're out there with our young people and uh you know, God bless you for what you have done to, to share that beauty and to share uh, that special, special uh, experience that you have. And, you know, I think back to that movie 25 years ago, A River Runs Through It, and it gave fly fishing a huge boost. You know, it's hard to believe it was almost well, a quarter century ago. What yeah. would it take? What would it take to give fly fishing that kind of a boost again? Well, you know, I think you mentioned it earlier, Rob. Um, you know, I've been in touch with the North Carolina Wildlife and Fish uh, Commission. Uh, like you said, um, they've got over 60% more sales in fishing license. And maybe this is going to be the eye-opening of getting kids outside, getting them with their fathers. Maybe this is what it's going to take. And now in West Virginia, we had a drop in license. And I got to tell you briefly why. Our governor opened up our state to free license. Mm -hmm. So we have no way of documenting it. But we know more people went out and fished during this. Yeah. And and maybe this is going to be, you know, what it's what, you know, maybe it's just going to make people appreciate that, you know, the outdoors is a place to be during the crisis. And and I'm hoping that 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 we'll see the, uh, an uptick from this. Yeah, well, I think it is a silver lining. It has forced families to to be together, spend more time together than than ever before. And, you know, fishing is available to virtually everyone. And uh, I really think that uh, this is the shot in the arm that we have needed for so, so long. And uh, golly day, you know, so many states looking at anywhere from 20 to 60 percent increase in the sales of licenses and in those states where they've offered free licenses like in west virginia let me tell you they they have seen the people out there on the water and and all types of fishing well here to close things out i know you're a man of faith 
What does your yes. faith mean to you, especially during this time that we're experiencing right now? You know, Rob, I, I have some of my best church services out on the stream, and uh, I just feel so closer to God when I'm in the great outdoors. And I just just went through a recent time with my father being sick. And, you know, I, I put it out there on social media and and I couldn't believe how how many people reached out. And by the prayer of God, my father survived stage three cancer and, and he's healthy. Yeah. And and, you know, that's the power of God. And that's that's the outdoor. That's what you preach. The outdoor people, the outdoor group, you know, we got to get more people into it. And I've met some of the greatest people outdoors. So we got to keep pushing that. That's well, that's what it's about. Well, you're doing that. Uh, you're a great ambassador for, for the outdoors, but, uh, you know, being a follower of Christ and uh, to share that faith the way you have. I think that uh, it's one of the most important things we can do for our, our country, especially during this time uh, of so much unrest. And uh, anyway, just God bless you on that. I've got 10 seconds here. How about a final word you'd like to leave with our with our listeners? Rob, it's always a pleasure being with you. And, and uh, you do a great show. Love listening to you. It's always, always a, a, an honor and pleasure being with you. And uh, I, I'm, I'm not leaving anything uh, with me. It's, it's, it's about you and, and love the guests that you put on and just appreciate the opportunity to be on here with you and keep well, up the good work and best to your family. Well, and to you the same. Unfortunately, we're out of time. Again, thanks for being with us today to share your expertise, the fun of fly fishing, and all that the great outdoors has to offer. Congratulations on your most recent induction into the 2020 Legends of the Outdoors National Hall of Fame. Stay safe. God bless. And folks, you're listening to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. This is Rob Keck, and we will be right back. Sirius XM's Rural Radio is your guide to the agricultural markets. Where expert analysts and traders join our discussion live. Your information. Open up the farm and the challenges we face. You can learn how to do it for yourself. Rural Radio, your gateway to the rural lifestyle. The latest information about hunting, fishing, and more. Rural Radio is the leader in Western sports. We talk about the latest in Western sports. Professional rodeo, bull riding. Sirius XM's Rural Radio. 147. Or listen on your phone when you get out of your car with the Sirius XM app. In 1912, Theodore Roosevelt said, There can be no greater issue than that of conservation in this country. More than a century later, his statement has never been more meaningful. The Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership promotes Roosevelt's commitment to the sporting life by guaranteeing that all Americans have quality places to hunt and fish. Visit trcp.org to learn more and take action. And welcome back, and thanks for joining us here on Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. And if you've just tuned in, we're about to introduce our next guests. The 87th Annual Federal Migratory Bird Hunting and Conservation Stamp, better known as the Duck Stamp, this eagerly sought-after stamp by waterfowl hunters, outdoor enthusiasts, collectors, and birders, what generates millions of dollars annually for conservation. Well, here to tell us more is the 22nd Director of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, Aurelia Skipwith, and along with her, the Assistant Director of the Migratory Bird Program for the service, Jerome Ford. Director Skipwith, welcome back, and Jerome, welcome to Outdoor World. Thanks, sir. Thank you so much, Rob. It is a pleasure to be here today. Well, you know, we just were together a couple weeks ago on the show, and uh, to have you back, wow. Well, before we get back into the discussion of the duck stamp, uh, Director, why don't you share with us a little bit about your role as the director? Yeah, so I'd be happy to. Um, as director of the oldest federal conservation agency, uh, we trace our lineage all the way back to 1871. Mm. And we are the only federal agency whose primary responsibility is the management of fish and wildlife for the American public. And so we do everything from protecting endangered species, conservation of wetlands, 
We manage 568 National Wildlife Refuges. Uh, we provide recreational opportunities for all Americans to enjoy. Um, we restore nationally significant fisheries. Uh, we work with foreign governments on international conservation. So there's just a multitude of activities, um, work that we do with our partners um, throughout here in the U.S. and internationally, and we enforce our federal laws, too. So it really is such an honor to lead the Fish and Wildlife Service. What a big job. And Jerome, uh, you know, before we get into the discussion about the duck stamp, just briefly tell us about your role as Assistant Director for Migratory Birds. Uh, sure, and, and thanks for having uh, me today, Rob. Uh, as Assistant Director for the Services Migratory Bird Program, uh, I help lead the federal efforts uh, to work with our partners to protect, uh, restore, and conserve bird populations and their habitats for the benefit of future generations. Now, we work to ensure the long-term ecological sustainability of all migratory bird populations, uh, increase the socioeconomic benefits that come along with you know, bird conservation, uh, improve hunting and bird watching and other outdoor experiences, and increase awareness of the value of migratory birds uh, and their habitats. Wow. Well, you know, when you talk about migratory birds, there's obviously far more than just ducks, geese, and swans. Why don't you just give us a, a very quick snapshot of what else is included in the term migratory birds? Sure, and, and you are absolutely right, Rob. Uh, there are so many more species you know, of migratory birds uh, that, than just waterfowl. Now, the dictionary definition of migratory bird is a bird that travels from one place to another at regular times and often over long distances. And as we know, birds do not see borders like people do. Uh, so that's why, as a federal agency, we define the term migratory bird slightly differently. Uh, in regulation, a migratory bird is a bird that belongs to a family or group of species present in the United States as well as Canada, uh, Japan, Mexico, and even Russia uh, because of treaties that we have with those countries. Now, most native bird species in the United States belong to one of these types of groups of birds. Uh, and it's a wide range of species that we consider, you know, migratory birds from, let's say, hummingbirds that you can see in your backyard uh, at the feeder to shorebirds like plovers and sandpipers, you know, that people see along the beach uh, to little sparrows that use the grasslands and prairies uh, to magnificent warblers that fill the forest, you know, with their therapeutic and melodic songs. Birds of all sizes and shapes and colors and from all different habitat types are considered migratory birds. And just a little-known fact, uh, there's about 1,100 different species protected by the Migratory Bird Treaty Act today. Wow. Well, Director Skipwith, with the 87th Annual Federal Duck Stamp, how much revenue has been generated since the stamp's inception back in 1934? Yeah, that is a great question, and you know, and it's because of our waterfowl hunters and our other bird conservationists that and outdoor enthusiasts that we have raised over one billion, and that's with a B. With a B, um, yeah. And which we use those, yeah, yeah, with a B. <laughs> um, so that's that's definitely no chump change there. Um, and so that money has been used to protect more than six million acres of wildlife habitat. So we are thankful that Congress, when it first created the federal duck stamp in 1934, um, as a way to ensure that funding sources to conserve habitats for ducks and geese um, has just uh, proved critical and pivotal um, in our work that we do here. Yeah. Well, what has the revenue of the sale of the duck stamp done for migratory birds and waterfowl, Director? President Trump and Secretary Bernhardt have made increasing access to public lands for hunting, fishing, and other outdoor recreation opportunities a priority. Um, and the cycle of benefits from increased public access is definitely reflected in what you see in the duck stamp. Um, sales that go directly to support national wildlife refuges and all the people who use them. So the federal duck stamps are conservation revenue stamps, if you think about it. Mm -hmm. And the funds that are raised from the purchase goes directly to help acquire um, and protect wetland habitats. Um, and you'll see these habitats in our National Wildlife Refuge System. Yeah. And so conserving these wetland habitats, you know, it not only supports waterfowl and other wildlife, 
It also assists in flood control and water purification, and it provides a significant economic stimulus to the rural communities and the communities in which um, you'll find our refuges. And so that's why we, um, that's why by buying the federal duck stamps, you know, the purchasers are really supporting increased access to public land. Uh, they're supporting enhancing habitat for all of wildlife, and they're supporting sustaining robust wildlife populations. And the sale of the duck stands um, just has protected millions of acres. What a story. You know, it's really, with what you've just said, it's so more far-reaching than just you know, to to benefit waterfowl hunters and that, uh, you know, everybody in this country should be buying uh, this stamp, should be buying it for all the great that it does for, for everybody, especially when you look at access. Well, look, that's going to take us to our next break. We return, going to continue our visit with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. This is Rob Keck, and we will be right back. We all have it. Whether it was passed down from our fathers or grandfathers, we knew it was there, inside us. That need, that longing to walk among the wild. But it's more than just our love of the outdoors that keeps us coming back. It's knowing we serve a purpose, to give more than we take. That we're here to carry on a legacy and become stewards of our wildlife. This place embodies that legacy with over a mile and a half of walkable trails and 35,000 live fish, mammals, reptiles, amphibians, and birds to teach and inspire. Stop and you'll feel it. Listen and you'll hear it. Asking you to share the wonder. The Wonders of Wildlife National Museum and Aquarium. Share the wonder. And welcome back, and thanks for joining us here on Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. The federal duck stamp plays a critically important role in wildlife conservation and was first petitioned by sportsmen and women who banded together to protect wildlife habitat. And the stamps continue to be fueled by waterfowl hunters required to buy a federal duck stamp each year. And if you've just tuned in, we've been having a very educational visit about this important conservation program with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services Director Aurelia Skipwith and Jerome Ford, the Assistant Director of the Services Migratory Birds Program. Jerome, typically the first day of sale event, it's hosted by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service at Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World's locations. But, you know, due to Bass Pro Shops' dedication to, to keeping our customers safe during the COVID-19 crisis, this physical event had to be canceled. So I've got to ask you, what's the plan now? Now, Director Skidwith bought the first duck stamp. Uh, we're making plans with Bass Pro to perhaps have an in-person recognition of our federal and junior duck stamp artist uh, later in August in Spanish Fort or in the September during the Federal Duck Stamp Contest. And as I stated before, you know, we're just going to keep things flexible uh, to keep our employees and communities healthy and safe as much as possible. Yeah. Well, tell us about the design. You know, this is something that's really a work of art. So tell us about the design and the featured species that you'll see on this year's stamp. Yes, a a little bit different species. Uh, This year's federal duck stamp uh, winner is a pair of black-bellied whistling ducks painted by Mr. Eddie Leroy from Alabama. And I've had the pleasure of of meeting and talking with Eddie Leroy about his amazing accomplishment. And it sounds like uh, you'll get a chance to do that today as well. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's just something. I I know I collect them uh, ever since I started hunting waterfowl. And, uh, you know, I've got every one of those. And... uh, you know, there's collectors around the world that, uh, you know, are not hunters, but uh, they really, they they love this this annual event, the annual stamp that comes out. Well, Director Skip, with it is my understanding that uh, there's been a decision for all future federal duck stamps to include something in the image that pertains to hunting. Well, if that's so, why don't you share with our listeners what that's all about? Rob, you are exactly right. Um, this beginning this year's con- with this year's contest, all entries to the federal duck stamp contest are required to depict a hunting theme element. 
such as hunters, hunting dogs, duck blinds, etc., along with one of the five eligible waterfowl species. And we made that decision to celebrate the remarkable conservation achievements of our waterfowl hunters and our unique American hunting heritage with having this as a permanent addition um, for all of our duck stamps um, in the future. And waterfowl hunters are the epitome of conservation conservationists. And as their purchase of duck stamps has enabled the conservation of millions of acres of wetland habitat. And so we are honoring them um, and that astonishing legacy by making uh, this hunting-themed element a permanent theme on the famed duck stamp art contest. I have got to salute you on this, and I know that's very welcome to the ears of our listeners, many, of course, which are hunters and, uh, you know, they're really America's first conservationists. And, uh, you know, for the service interior to, to recognize that, uh, I can't tell you what that means to us as a community. And uh, it really helps tell the story. And, uh, you know, when you, you look at uh, what is depicted on there, uh, you know, it tells a story. So, Jerome, what does that stamp sell for? And where can our listeners buy the stamp? Where can it be purchased? Thanks for that question, Rob. You know, federal duck stamp costs $25, and it's sold at many sporting goods stores and other retail locations, both large and small, uh, that sell sporting recreation equipment, such as Bass Pro. We're proud of that. Uh, you can also uh, buy them at many of our national wildlife refuges and online through Amplex Corporation, which is our duck stamp distributor, and online or in person through the U.S. Postal Service. Now, while waterfowl hunters 16 years of age or older are required um, to purchase a stamp, anyone can contribute to conservation by buying them. As you mentioned earlier, I, I purchase four or five a year uh, myself. Now, in addition to serving as a hunting license and conservation tool, uh, a current federal duck stamp is also a free pass to any national wildlife refuge that charges an entry fee. Awesome. Well, Director Skip, with, uh, you know, there's also a junior duck stamp competition. Why don't you share what that program is all about? Yeah, the, the junior duck stamp conservation and design program is a dynamic art and science-based curriculum. And it teaches wetland and waterfowl conservation to students in kindergarten all the way through high school. Um, and so we always like to start at an early age, as you can see. The program encourages students to explore their natural world, invites them to investigate biology and wildlife management principles, and it challenges them to express and share what they have learned from others. The winning artwork from a national art contest serves as the design for the Junior Duck Stamp, which the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service produces annually. And this is a $5 stamp that has become much sought-after collector's items. And the winner of the 2020 Junior Duck Stamp Art Contest was 13-year-old Madison Grimm of South Dakota with an acrylic of a wood duck. And so Madison's art will appear on the 2020-2021 Junior Duck Stamp that goes on sale the same day as is the federal duck stamp. Wow. Where can they buy those? They can buy those in the same place or contact our office in Falls Church uh, if they have uh, difficulty finding the, the junior duck stamps. We'll be happy wow. to provide those. That What a great, great story, great opportunity. And by the way, uh, that wood duck rendition, I can't believe the artist is only 13 years old. Well, look, we're out of time. Thanks for your time. Thanks for your conservation leadership. Wishing you both the very best as we tackle the many challenges of conservation and preserving our rich hunting fishing and outdoor heritage well we return we're going to be talking with the winning artist of the 87th annual duck stamp eddie Leroy. and you're listening to bass pro shops outdoor world this is rob keck and we will be right back this is a public service announcement test from takemefishing.org to determine if you need a fishing license and boat registration before heading out on the water let's begin are you a bear do you have a beak does your name rhyme with old beagle? Do you dart in front of cars? Here's a tough one. Do you have plumage? 
Do you rub your body against things to mark them? Do you have webbed feet? No, I mean like a... Were you hatched? Do you have fur? I'm not talking back hair. Does your boat fly south for the winter with the other boats? Regardless of how you answer, you need to be licensed and registered because it helps local conservation efforts protect the very natural resources you enjoy boating and fishing in for generations to come. Do your part at TakeMeFishing.org. And welcome back to our final segment of Ask Pro Shops Outdoor World. And if you've just tuned in, we've been talking about the annual federal migratory bird hunting and conservation stamp in its first day of sale. Well, joining us is the winner of the 2020-2021 Federal Duck Stamp Design. He's a three-time Alabama Duck Stamp Contest winner and an artist that I've personally followed since 1984 when we, when I was at the National Wild Turkey Federation, we published his first print. He's from Eufaula, Alabama. He's an award-winning artist, a great, great human being, Eddie Leroy. Eddie, welcome to Outdoor World. Oh, thank you, Mr. King. Uh... Yeah, I heard you had uh, Jerome on earlier. Yeah, for sure. And uh, really, really does a great job. And I know you had a chance to interact with with Jerome, for sure. Yeah, if if he's still listening, he still owes me a steak dinner with President Trump in D.C. But but if he prefers, I I really prefer him to come down here to Alabama. We'll have a good barbecue plate. There you go. Well, I wanted to. I know he's from Louisiana. Yeah. Uh, so if yeah. he wants to, we'll go to New Orleans and get some jambalaya and stuff. <laughs> well, again, I just want to congratulate you on winning this coveted federal duck stamp. And, uh, you know, I've got to ask, you know, when you're chosen from 190 entries from around the contest or from around the country on this on this contest, what's it like to be chosen the winner, number one? Well, uh, you know, it took me at least two, two or three days to you know, kind of get over the shock because I've been, <laughs> you know, I've been trying to uh, win this thing since '87. You know, I graduated uh, college in '87, and I've been ever since I was a kid collecting duck stamps. And uh, matter of fact, my mom, you know, we had subscription of Outdoor Life, uh, Field and Stream. Uh, even had turkey call when I was a kid. That's how I remember you. I remember the articles <laughs> and stuff. Uh, yeah. I mean, I remember Ben Lee and uh, oh yeah, Dick Kirby. Uh, and my first, when I graduated college in 87, my first show was at the NWTF in Nashville, uh, where I met, met you know all of them guys, Harold Knight, uh, David. Yeah. Uh, and I met uh, Bill Jordan. He had a booth right behind me. Uh-huh. And uh, I remember him buying a painting from me. He said, where do you live? I said, well, I'm in Eufaula. He said, well, I'm about a 45 minutes north of Columbus. And yeah. uh, <laughs> I, I I went to see him. And back in, all throughout the 90s, uh, I did all all his camouflage patterns. Yeah, yeah. And well, look, uh, you know, back then, go ahead. No, I'm just going to say, I, I don't want us to run out of time. I want you to tell us about the painting, the species, and how you arrived at this design that you that you had that that won the competition well you know uh, what they do is they give you a list of five species each year to pick from and uh, i was going with a buffalo head and I, I started working on it and working on it you know it just didn't feel right i couldn't get nothing working and uh i said well i'm gonna go with off-brand species I hadn't been on the duck stamp but one you know one time and that was back in 1990 mm-hmm. and that's the black belly whistling duck yeah. Now we get they they've been coming up here to Eufaula for almost probably fifteen years now. Now when I was a kid growing up at the refuge, you never seen them, but uh, they slowly started coming up. And there's a friend of mine that's they come in his yard. They'll start coming around March, and they'll leave here in October. I guess going back down to Florida or along Louisiana around there. But they're not here usually in the winter time. But they're all over the place uh, at the refuge in the you know from March to. Till about October, and so I said, "Well, I'm gonna go photograph these things. They stay in his yard. I mean, you can, you can get pretty close to them, and I photograph them, and uh, just did a wild card and did did that. Yeah. Duck, and here I am. Yeah. Well, you know, I've got to ask. You know, with 190 entries, how are those paintings? How are they judged over this two day competition? What do they? How do they do that? 
Well, from from what I understand, it goes for three rounds, and they'll uh, you know first round they'll they'll pick their numbers probably the highest, uh, probably thirty pieces, and then they'll narrow it down to the top ten, and then you know uh, somehow made the uh, last round and got it. Now, now I've been in the top, uh, I think top ten a couple, a couple of times, but just no cigar. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> but uh, did it this time for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know how it is. You might have one judge that really likes something, and uh, then you might have one that don't, and uh, that'll like blow a, your score, score either yeah, way. Yeah, just like a turkey calling contest. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. Well, look oh. as. As Jerome and, and the director pointed out in the earlier segment, you know, this stamp raises approximately $40 million in sales each year. How does it feel to be part of this huge, immensely huge conservation program? Yeah, it's, I mean, like I said, I'm still kind of reeling from it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I've been doing uh, prints and things for NWTF for the first one or, uh, back since 87. I did the... DU, I think I did uh, a turkey print, one of the first artists to do a turkey print for DU back uh-huh. in the 90s. And, uh, I mean, I've been working with about every group out there in RA for years. And then to do the this at the, you know, after about 30 years is kind of a icing on the cake. Yeah, so, yeah. Any advice to an aspiring artist that uh, has thought about maybe entering this competition? Well, like I said, I've been doing it thirty some years, so uh you don't get it the first time, keep trying. Keep trying. <laughs> and yeah. uh you know, always look I look at the last you know, the top ten entries. I every time I they'll send out a you know, the top ten entries. <laughs> I just keep looking at those and fi- trying to figure out man, what they like in those ten, you know. Or, or yeah. then they're down to the top three and then just just keep plugging at it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, we're about out of time. Eddie, any final thoughts you'd like to, to leave with our listeners here on this great conservation effort? Well, um, well, first, I'd like to thank the good Lord for giving me this talent and uh, for living in this country. And uh, uh, just, uh, uh, you know, let's keep hunting and fishing and take a youth with you. And uh, let's keep that heritage open and uh, free. Hey, well said. Eddie, thanks for being with us today. Congratulations on this prestigious win and the many awards you've achieved. Thanks so much. Well, folks, that's going to wrap it up today here in Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. I'm Rob Keck. On behalf of Bass Pro Shops, where your adventure always starts right here. Thanks for answering the call. That call to preserving a rich hunting, fishing, and trapping heritage. We'll see you next week. This has been Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, talking all things outdoors, brought to you by Bass Pro Shops, your outdoor leader. Join us next Saturday and every Saturday for more special guests and unique locations right here on Rural Radio, the agribusiness and western lifestyle channel.